everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Mo money, mo money. My name is Matt, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Ah, uh, good, dude, good. I just wrapped up my bagel, and I'm washing down with water because it's still pre-noon, so I can't be too much of an alcoholic. Do you eat bagels because you're from Hoboken or because you're Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I think I was like five. My mom was like, in the mornings, bagels. Uh, like it's Really? Morning. Yeah, oh, no. God. <laughs> All we have is bagels. <laughs> I, 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 it's cause I drink the bagels because they're delicious, and I believe it's because... You drink because, them. Amazing. I mean, <laughs> I eat the bagels because they're delicious, and I think it's because of our water and because we put fluoride in it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> oh, if my dad hears that. Uh, I, have fl- I, have, I have fluoride-free toothpaste because of that, man. Uh, it's how the aliens communicate. It's how it's how they control the population. <laughs> it coats the perennial gland. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it all started with the Nazis. And uh, full dude, circle. I'm so much right now. <laughs> Good lord. Anyway, uh, today's catchphrase is "mo money, mo money." I don't know if the question mark was supposed to be there, but it's from Corey from Facebook. Thank you, Corey. And you can send those into Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Listen Money Matters, or our Twitter account, which I prefer. It's at Money Matters Man. Today we have a returning guest. Which we rarely do. Rarely do. He's in the club. What's the club? Like, there's got to be a club of returning guests. Where's God, my pun- want- Where's my punch card? That's what I want. Yeah, to- <laughs> uh, yeah. If you get five interviews, you get the sixth one free. I get twelve free bagels. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With fluoride. In yes. It. Well, <laughs> you heard the voice. He's been on the show before. One of our best episodes about student loan debt. We have Adam Carroll, SucceedFaster.com. Adam, how are you today, and what are you drinking? Oh, I'm fantastic. I have a, a free coffee Ooh, free. From, from my chiropractor. Really? So, yeah, I went and got adjusted this morning, and, and I have all sorts of blood flow to my head now, so I can talk to you guys. Perfect. And, and what kind of, I mean, is the coffee good if it's free? It's good. It's like a Keurig machine. All I right. got donut shop coffee in there. Oh, dude, I love donut shop. Yeah. That's yeah. all we stock over here. It's really? so good. So good. Cool. Well, all right. So, uh, for those who don't know, you're working on a movie called "Broke, Busted, and Disgusted." It's about the student loan debt crisis. How are things coming along with that? Things are coming along very well. We we are in production, and uh, that means that we're shooting interviews. We are talking with administrators, with professors, with students, with politicians. I mean, we're kind of all over the board in terms of those that we want to get stories from. And um, next week. I leave for Colorado, and we are doing three days of shooting interviews with focus groups and some of the professors out there and a couple of deans of business schools. So it's it's uh, going amazingly well, and we're getting lots of great stories. I was going to say, you must have a ton of footage right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous, actually, how much we have. Um, but I'll tell you what, guys. The stories that we're hearing would literally make your skin crawl Give me an example. in terms of the amount of debt. Uh, a young lady graduated at the age of 22. Her academic advisor suggested that she do a three-year bachelor's, two-year master's program. And they, she said, well, you'll be much more marketable you know, with a master's degree in human resources at the uh-huh. age of 22 or 23 or whatever it was. So she's now 28, lives at home, still has $117,000 in debt, um, is making $45,000 a year. Well, she was marketable. Yeah, yeah, right. Hasn't really even made it into middle management yet. And um, she told me that she's pretty convinced that she'll have this debt until she dies. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
So, you know, the, the challenge with it all is that um, there's no protection. There's no consumer protection whatsoever. So I, I did a, TED, a TEDx talk a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, imagine being expected to buy a home when you're 18. And they tell you, just go pick out a house you like. It really doesn't matter how big or small it is. No need to qualify for a loan based on your income. Mm-hmm. We'll just give you whatever amount you need. And, you know, to make it easy, you don't even have to pay on it for a few years. You can live in the house for a while. And we're not even going to tell you what the payments are. Right. Right. If you want to fix it up, feel free to borrow more money, buy a car. Not that you even know what that means because you're not making any money. Right. You don't know exactly. what X per month is. Exactly. That's I, when you put it like so. that, it's actually pretty depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, the film's going to be. It'll be a blockbuster, I'm sure of it. <laughs> It'll be sold at Blockbuster. That's uh, right. Yeah, no, 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 let's hope not. They, no. they don't exist. Anymore. No, but uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I, th- you know, did you watch the John Oliver you uh, the the last week tonight yeah. thing where he just like rails on student loan the student loan debt crisis? Yeah, compared it to a sexually transmitted disease. Uh-huh. Like if you go to college, <laughs> you're just going to get one. Yeah, it, and and then and then like he he did one on the and what I didn't know and I don't know if your film touches on this at all and we don't have to go into it too much but the for profit college industry. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. It's bad. It's ridiculous. Are you uh, guys going to touch on that at all? Yeah, we are a little bit. It's you know it's. It's definitely an issue because they are the ones that are going after some of the student loan money. And, right. and that, that whole issue of them going after the GI Bill, mm-hmm. uh, that's amazing to mm-hmm. me. That they're, you know, they're recruiting military, uh, yeah. ex-military that you know, have a GI Bill and some of these guys don't even know what, you know, what oh. classes they're signed up for. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a sad state of affairs. It is. It is. So... All right, well, that's good. It's good to hear the movie's coming along. Any, any like, updates on, like, when you start editing or when you start to go down uh, the deeper path? Yeah, we'll, we'll probably be in the editing bays um, starting in December. Okay. So our goal is to do about four to six weeks of editing, and then we'll have, uh, we'll have all of our posts done, you know, by January is kind of our ideal. Um, although we've had a couple of major... Uh, financial institutions step up to us and say, we might be interested in helping you underwrite or uh, help with distribution. So huh, that, really? that could be really, yeah, that could be really cool. Interesting. So yeah. huh. uh, I want to, we, we, you know, we want to talk a little bit about the debt crisis, but uh, one of the things that you'd brought up to me, we had a, we had a conversation um, a while back, not, not too long ago, but you have been pitching this, this talk around yeah. and, Give me the title that you have, because the title was what sold me immediately. Yeah. The title is, Are We Loving Our Kids Too Much? <laughs> now, Andrew and I don't have kids. Do you have kids, right? I, you know I don't have kids. No, I know you don't have kids. <laughs> I was waiting for Andrew to answer that like that. As far as I know, I don't yeah. have children. Yeah, right? You don't, who knows? Um, I have three children. Yes. yes. Six, six, nine, and 11. All right. So what's the, what's the general uh, overview of... Are we loving our kids too much? Because I mean, I I happen to, I think we absolutely do, but yeah. it's hard for me to say because again, I don't have kids, so they're like, oh, you don't you'll, you don't understand, you don't have kids. One day when you have a kid, you'll be spoiling the shit out of them. You'll love them to death. You'll give them anything that they want. Uh, so like, what's the overarching like idea of this? So the overarching idea is that we. I, I think in America, we, we coddle our children in the name of love. 
but what it does is it actually creates really ineffective adults and young adults. And so I was, um, I'll give you two examples where this all came from. I was at the Iowa State Fair, which is, uh, I like to say that it really brings out the red, white, and blue of America. Mm. Uh, rednecks, white trash, and blue collar. They're all there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a great people-watching place. I love to go. We, you know, we go and, and just uh, yeah. sit at one of the beer tents and just watch people. Uh-huh. And I was watching this family walk along, and the, there was a little girl who was probably eight or nine years old, maybe. And, you know, to put it politely, her height and weight ratio weren't quite in alignment yet, if right. you know what I mean. And she was carrying a red velvet funnel cake on a paper plate. That's and it was thing? very. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and so she's eating it. It's very clearly hers alone, just hers. Her funnel cake, right. And she says, I, I overhear her say, Mommy, where's my soda? Give me my soda. And her mom hands her this hurricane glass, right. you know, like a like a, a thirty six ounce hurricane cup, you know, a big long cylindrical one, yeah, full of slushy, like red slushy, <sighs> and that was her soda. And and I thought, you know, if you ask the woman why why does your child have a red velvet funnel cake and a thirty six ounce slushy all to herself, she'd probably say, I love my daughter. I'll give my daughter whatever she wants. So. You know, do you love your child enough to give them type two di- diabetes? I was gonna say like like it's it's a uh, red dye number five and type yeah. two diabetes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and and if you go into you know, we don't we don't particularly buy a lot of sugared cereals or anything like that. Our our house is generally not stocked with junk food, but I know families who grew up on that stuff, and they might say, "Hey, I love my kids. I'll give them whatever they want," and we feed our kids you know processed junk food. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason for the obesity epidemic. And secondly, um, I was at an event where I was talking about, um, I call, I call the, a talk that I do unplugging the parental ATM machine. And it's all about what to teach your kids about money so they don't spend your retirement. And usually I get parents who are very interested in the topic because they have kids who are on economic outpatient support. You know, they're, they're constantly on payroll with their parents. Uh, okay. Mm. And so I, um, I'm sitting there talking to this dad, and he said, so what do I do? My twin daughters are at a community college in Los Angeles. And I was like, well, first of all, they're at a community college in Los Angeles. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and this is a guy who was in the, heart, in the heartland. Mm. And, um, and he said, I, whenever they text me, they're always asking for money. And I said, so what do you do? And he said, well, I put money in their account. And I said, have you ever heard of this guy uh, named Pavlov who had these dogs and when he'd ring a bell, <laughs> yeah. you know, they'd salivate. I said, your daughters have conditioned you that when they text and quote unquote need money, you put it in their account. Mm-hmm. Why do you do that? And he said, I love my daughters. I don't want them to struggle. And at that point, there was about 10 people sitting around the table. And I said to each one of them, did you struggle when you were 20? Did you struggle when you were 20? Did you struggle when you were 20? And I said, you know, Jim, maybe the issue is your girls need the struggle because that's what creates, you know, uh, yeah, it creates the person. So builds character. I, th- I think what we're doing is we're taking away character building opportunities with our children because we love we in the name of loving them, we give them what what they want because for a number of reasons, right? Some of us are guilty about not spending enough time or you know, maybe they're children of divorce, so we, we overcompensate with food and gifts and experiences. 
Um, but the, the gist of the message really in all of this is, I think there are four words that we have to tell our kids as much as humanly possible. I love you and no. <laughs> and if we tell our kids, I love you and no, and give them a reason why we're saying no, then the yeses mean all that much more to them. Right. I think uh, well, there's a few things that come to mind, right? So uh, when I was a kid, not a kid, when I was in high school, I, you, I, would go, I, would, I couldn't bring my own lunch to school. That just wasn't an option for me. I don't know why. I had to buy lunch there. But I didn't have any money, uh, so I would uh, always borrow money from my dad. And the way I would borrow money is I would use his shower, which is where he would keep his wallet, and I would <laughs> – I don't know why I quoted wallet. It was really his wallet. Uh, <laughs> and it, he always had cash in there, and I would take out you know, $5 or you know, whatever, whatever amount I needed for lunch every single day until the day came where he's like, I didn't, I didn't get cash out. And I'm like, and I got mad. And I'm like, what do you mean to get cash out? How am I supposed to eat lunch? He's like, figure it out. I don't know. Go make a sandwich, you know. And it's like this. I got dependent on this, this just pot, this cash flow that was just always there. And then it's the day that's not there. It's like the day you struggle, and the day you learn that you got to figure shit out uh, <laughs> on your own. Totally. And I think that that's, um, you know, not to say that. I mean, look, five dollars here and there is, you know, whatever. But when it's consistent. Then, yeah, your kids get spoiled, I guess, for lack of a better totally, term. Totally, totally. I mean, you know, going back to the, the film, the documentary, yeah. when we talk to students and we ask them about how do you handle money in college or how, 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 did, how did you talk to your parents about who was going to pay for school, most of them said, I've never had that conversation with my parents. So, again, you know, you want to love your kids well. Mm-hmm. prepare them for that. Prepare them for the – my dad, I remember sitting down with me and saying, listen, Adam, we're going to pay for – 100% of your first year, 75% of your second, 50% of your third, and 25% of your fourth. If you go any longer than four years, it's on your own. And, um, and at 20, he, I came home one day. I may have told you guys this story. I came home one day, and my dad was a master negotiator. He didn't negotiate. He just <laughs> negotiated. So I go, hey, Dad, can I get 40 bucks to go out with my friends? This is one weekend I came home. He goes, 30 bucks. What do you need 20 bucks for? I'm not going to give you 10 bucks. Go find money on your own. <laughs> right, right. right. I mean, it's like, he, he just, he wouldn't do it. He, he did reluctantly give me $10 and he said, every dime you get from me after this, consider it a loan. And that was at mm. age 20. So, you know, after that, it's like, well, if it's up to be, then, it, you know, or if it is to be, it's up to me. So, right. And do you know where he learned that from or how he became and how he instilled that upon you? Well, so I heard the story later on. That very day that I came home and asked for that, my sister had asked for like 180 bucks to get her brakes fixed, mm. and three bills had come in the mail that he wasn't expecting. And I think he was just pissed off that, you know, <laughs> right. all this cash was was being sucked out of him. And so he said it. Although it was probably one of the most profound moments for us because I never did go back to him and ask for money. Right, because he told you it was a loan now. Yeah, I, I'm just like I wonder. Uh, how does some all right? So we all right. We we established that we may be loving our kids too much, and I'm sure some people out there who have kids are saying like, yeah. But then some people might be reluctant, like, no, no, I no. He's my only son, or he's my only. She's my only daughter. Um, I don't care. How do you right. and and how do you make the argument for someone like that to get over? Uh, you know, this idea. Well, I, I've got a great example. There's a guy that I used to work for, and he does have an only child. Um, and he's divorced. They got divorced when the kid was very young. Mm. And I was talking about not spoiling kids, and I want to make sure that the kids understand the value of hard work and that 
you know, that, that they, that if, if my children are self-made, that would be uh, extremely important for me. And he said, I'll buy my son whatever he wants. I don't uh, care. It's got to make it harder during the, during the divorce though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, sure. there's, there's competition, I think. And this guy's made a fortune oh. in his lifetime. So he's got spare cash. The challenge with that is, and I'm, you know, I live, I live in a fairly affluent neighborhood and, and a lot of my neighbors are doctors and surgeons and whatnot, and their kids all drive brand new cars. So, you know, again, if they, if they continue down that path and they pay for their kids' college education and maybe they help them with a down payment on a house, while I'm, I'm, you know, supportive of that to an extent, I also think that, uh, the kids never really get a true sense of what things cost because they've always gotten it from mom or dad. And so at that point, do they give it to their kids or, or does it skip a generation or, you know, what happens to build, uh, uh, like a, a legacy, like a family legacy of wealth. You look at the Rockefellers. The very first thing John D. Rockefeller did with his kids was he gave them a quarter allowance, and those ki- and then he gave them a double entry bookkeeping journal, and those kids had to account for every single penny of where they spent, saved, gave, or invested. And if they couldn't account for every penny, they wouldn't get their quarter the next week or the next two weeks or whenever he gave yeah. it to them. So you know we create this. I, arguably, the Rockefeller family is the, the most wealthy family in the world, and the wealth is continued, where a lot of families, you know, the, the wealth lasts a generation or two, and then it's gone because they didn't teach the, well, the Maybe that's stuff. it, though. Maybe the legacy isn't the, the number of dollars. Maybe it's that he taught them how to handle those dollars, and then just because they had so many dollars that it perpetuated. Yeah, yeah, true. Could be. Could be. So it's a, ma- it's a, so it's a matter of... Uh, instilling discipline and or maybe uh teaching the value of even if it's a quarter or a dollar right and making them keep track and it's almost like the idea of being mindful of of it very much so very much so the other day and i'm uh, dude i'm guilty i'm totally guilty of this i so and i love my kids to death if my kids came to me and said Dad, I really want this. We would probably figure out a way to try and do it. It might be, you know, housed under a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or something like that if it's a big purchase. The other day, my daughter came into my wife and I's bedroom in the morning and she said, Dad, can we go to Dunkin' Donuts this morning? And it was a Sunday, and I'm sometimes prone to do that, you know, just because like, you like Dunkin, Dunkin' Donuts. Because I love Dunkin' <laughs> yeah. Donuts. I mean, come on. And and I said, you know, we're gonna go. Uh, we're going Friday on a pretty fun outing. So I think we'll just save our money for that. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, mm-hmm. my wife said, I'm glad you didn't cave because normally you would have caved on that. And, you know, it's not, it's 10 bucks, right? If I go over and I get everyone something, it's 10 bucks maybe. Yeah. Although at Dunkin', you get like three dozen donuts and they give you money back right, for some reason. Right, right, right. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> it is weird. Crazy cheap. So, so uh, 10 bucks, not a big deal. But the whole idea is that if the kids always get what they want, then they become spenders who just buy what they want on impulse. And I think there's something to that. Like, I love my kids. I'll buy them whatever they want. So they say, I really want this toy at, a, at Target when we walk through Target. Well, if you do that once, you kind of set this precedent that now every time they want something, they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And you did it the first time out of love, but every other time it's because they're pitching a holy fit in the store uh, because you're not buying them what they want, right? And it's, so yeah. you know, we do it out of love first, and then after a while, after a while, it's not out of love. It's just out of I just want to shut them up, right? 
What do you do when they're throwing the fit, though? Do you call, like, um, mall security and, like, have them handle it? I mean... Yeah, like, I, I, I picture the uh, the kid who's just pointing at the cereal boxes in the grocery store, and it just throws a tantrum when, you know, the mom or the dad won't give him that cereal. Totally. I was that. Totally. I was and that kid. So I, I was... Uh, you know how when you go into a, a grocery store, a food store, and, and uh, you get your cart... And you happen to be like in lockstep with another family. Mm-hmm. So the entire time you're going through the store, you're with them almost sure. the entire time. So I happen, that happened to me at, a, at one of our grocery stores here. And, and I was overhearing the conversation the entire time. And, and the, the daughter is saying, mom, I want this. Can I please have this? I want this. We need to get these. And the whole time, the mom was saying, you don't eat those when I buy them. Uh, you right. know, I just threw out a whole box of those. She, everything she said was basically saying no, but she never said no. Right. And and so this is part of my messaging in in, you know, unplugging the parental ATM machine. It's like if you don't tell your kids no in a firm way, I, what we do when we go into a store with our kids, it's almost like the emergency row talk when you get on an airplane. I get down face to face and I'm and I'll say, today we're going to the store. We are buying only what we need, not what we want. If you're really good, we might get a little something at checkout. But don't, I don't want, I want, I want, I want throughout the store. We are mm. only buying what we need. Is that clear? And then I'm like, I need a verbal yes from each of you as I look <laughs> at my kids in their faces. Mm-hmm. We go in, they're great. They're well-behaved. But they've heard no before we even go in. And so it preps them for it. And, you know, and I'll say afterwards, hey, I love you guys and I love how you were in there. And we're going to stop and get an ice cream cone or something. Yeah, we're going to stop and get a red velvet funnel cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 36-ounce slush. Yeah, who wants a slush? Yeah. Now, I'd like to have type 2 diabetes by 18. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and because you didn't say anything in the grocery store, you're allowed to have type 2 diabetes. That's what you get. <laughs> no, I. you know, here's here's one of the – there's a story that I have that I, 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 I feel it falls along these lines. When I got a credit card at 18 in the mail, I got the word no, right? So my dad and my mom were like, no, you're not allowed to have a credit card. And I said, fuck you, mom and dad. Like, secretly, I didn't say it to their faces. You know, but, like, I'm going to, because I'm, I'm 18 now, I'm an adult. And I want this credit card because it's $500 free dollars in, my, yeah. in my brain at the time. So what my parents did, essentially, was, you know, give me that, you know, you disobey your parents. You're young. You're 18. Um, and then I, they never taught me the importance of a credit card and how it works and, and the, the problems with it or the, you know, or how to avoid the problems that come along with credit cards. And I got into serious, serious credit card debt and cr- completely destroyed my score. Um, and now I've learned, but it took me years to figure that out. Uh, I, and that's why when you brought up the John D. Rockefeller thing, I like that approach more so than the no approach. Yeah. And is there a way to balance the, the, the two? And when do you balance the two? Yeah, I, I think you definitely can. And, and you know, with my kids... <laughs> They get, they get allowance. Uh, we have an allowance program in place. A percentage of it has to go to savings and so on. Cool. Um, they, it was a, a rule. What percentage? Like, um, so we do, we do a 70-10-10-10. Um, so 70% they can, they can spend. Because sure. it's not a lot. It's like five bucks, you know, right. five bucks a week. It's not a big deal. Um, 70% they can spend and then 10-10-10 savings, investment, and giving. And um, ah, but we, I like but, that. What's that system it, called? That's a, 
the 70 10 10 10 is that what it's called? isn't it called like the gift system or the gits it's the, the adam carroll system adam carroll. i think it's the listen money matters trademarked uh, oh we're <laughs> gonna trademark that now sweet so what we had we had a uh, we had a policy i set a policy in place when my kids were young that they had to have an emergency savings account and when they were five they had to have at least five hundred dollars in their savings account whoa and so every time they got birthday money, I would say, okay, this is going to go in your emergency fund. Well, you know, people will ask me, well, what, what kind of emergency does a five-year-old have? And yeah. they, they really don't. The, the key is that if they know that they, they're supposed to have $500 at five and $600 at seven and, you know, $700 at nine, and they always have that amount of money, then at 18, they're probably going to have a grand in the bank at all times because it's just been ingrained in them to do so. Mm. Right, so so they have an emergency fund. Anything over and above their mandatory amount is theirs to spend on what they want. Although I'm really getting my kids now into buying stocks, so I'm, I'm real turning... ones or like paper ones. Oh yeah, that no, you no, make no, no, real up. ones. Okay. Real ones. So they they got excited. My daughter was asking how banks make money, and what? So how old is she? She's eleven. I'm, she was like, of, I don't. I'm, I'm like captivated right yeah, now. She's like, like I don't. Where do you come up with this stuff? I don't yeah. care how babies are made. I want to know how banks make money. Yes, <laughs> I was I, like, I've never loved my daughter more than the minute she asked me that question. <laughs> with, that's not the birds and the bees. That's something else. Yeah, exactly. So we started talking about you know stocks and shares of stocks and dividends, and she said, Well, how would I buy a company and make dividends on the money that I have in my savings account? And so we, you know, I showed her E-Trade and we set up an E-Trade account for her. And, you know, she's looking at, at, at Target and at, she loves pets. So it's Petco and PetSmart and we're comparing the two. And, you know, I, I'm talking about uh, animal vet companies that might offer vaccinations to that selling vaccinations to vets because she wants to be a vet someday. So she's, you know, she's starting to research this stuff now and, and putting money in these stocks, which is really cool. And you do it through an E-Trade account. Yeah. Does she does she have access to the E-Trade account? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Really? She wants to look at it every weekend, you know, see what what her money's done. And I said it's not going to grow that fast. Right. But it's going to grow faster than it would in your savings account. So the extra 2 or 300 dollars you have in there, let's just put it into something that makes you money. Why did you do like why? Like what what made you do that? Besides for I think asking. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah. I I'm just curious yeah. on like how you went from you know, maybe not doing it to doing it as young as 11 years old. Or probably yeah. ten, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I so I volunteer this event every year. Money, and it's What's put it on by. Sorry, what, what, was it called, what was it called? It's called Project Money. Okay, and it's put on by a credit union locally to me, and these guys uh, recruit high school students to come in and deliver a presentation on finances. So they'll do kind of like the old science fairs where you'd put up a poster board. Yeah, a diagram. Yeah, these, these kids will do all sorts of things. Some of them have written computer programs. Uh, one kid put together an unbelievable PowerPoint presentation about dividend investing. And I, I went to this. I took my daughter with me. I spoke at it. And my daughter came with me, and she went through all of the, the exhibits. And she was so blown away by it. Um, she was asking me about dividends one day, and I thought, well, let's just dive into it. Let's you know, let's open an account and I'll show you exactly how this works. And my youngest son is not quite into it. He just knows that he wants to make a lot of money with his money. Sure. Uh, but he doesn't really care where it is. And then my, you know, my daughter is more about the types of companies that she's investing in. So, 
uh, American girl dolls are her thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. But it, you, so you had to expose them to that. Like, yeah. How, yeah. How did you instill this interest? Because that's like the dream where they are asking you to teach them. Yes. Yes. Like, like how did you do that? Well, it's funny, man. I, you know, people have asked me that before, what, how my kids kind of became so knowledgeable about business. And for me, I think everything we do on a daily basis is a teachable moment. And so, you know, just as an example, Friday, we're going to um, a pumpkin farm and an apple orchard. And I, I have no doubt that as we walk along, I'll say, Piper, count how many people are here. Uh, just imagine every single person here paid $10 to get in. So just do quick math. How much do you think they made today? And how much do you think they would make in a week and in a month and in a year? And then I'll say, now, what do, you, what do you suppose their expenses are? And the kids will start rattling off all of their expenses. And so I'm getting them thinking about business in the real sense, not I got to go get a job. But you know, we, we have uh, a crew of people that come and clean our house. And, and they will ask, you know, ask about that. And at one point, we cleaned our own home. And I, uh, they've heard me say, listen, it doesn't make any sense for me to do that. It's not worth my time. And at one point they said, what does that mean? It's not worth my time. And I said, well, if my goal is to make X amount per hour and I know that they can come in and do a whole house cleaning for, you know, $100, $120, then doesn't it make sense that I would be doing activities that would make more than that so then I can spend more time with you guys on the weekend? And they're like, yeah, that makes total sense. So they just slowly start to get it. I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I had the magic uh, pill or advice, I think it's every moment you're with your kids is a teachable moment. Do you think it's and, just that you're kind of like a business finance nerd and you did just kind of like spews yeah. out of you anyways? So yeah. you're just like living and telling them the things you know and they just, you know, I mean, you're their dad, so they're interested in what you're interested in. Totally, totally. And yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I am a finance and business nerd. Right. That's, that's the big thing. Right. See, I, I, Andrew, I think I would imagine that's something that you would do. And I have to imagine that's what your parents did. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, not not like not the business uh, you know, part of it so much. But, yeah, yeah, but but much more on like the money side and and the spending. Because when I, I was born, my parents would go to the supermarket with a calculator, and it would literally be like, "Can we get this ramen or not?" Like, and then they would visit my their my dad's parents in Brooklyn, but the toll was like ten dollars or whatever, and they would they would calculate like if they would save on you know dinner and whatever if they could make it that week. And so wow. they, from the beginning, were so strapped. You know, and then my dad became successful, but they always kept that mentality. And I, a little bit of it was lost on me, but, uh, you know, still. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you grew that's up in that amazing, environment. Though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I'd be, I would be curious to know what your, what your financial blueprint is. Have you guys ever heard of that term, the financial blueprint? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually you know, I wrote like a, a little thing on it. Well, you did an investment blueprint. I, I did an investment. I mean, so when you say uh, blueprint, like what, what specifically do you mean? So, you know, we each have we each have this this thermostat. This is a T. Harv Eker uh, who wrote the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. He talked about that everyone has a financial thermostat, and the thermostat basically controls how much money you make in a given year. Or month, or or hour, or whatever. Some people they just believe that they've their threshold is 
you know, say any number, 100,000 a year, 500,000 a year, uh, 10,000 a month. Oh, then you're month. saying they, they stick at that point. And when they hit that, then it's like the thermostat kicks in and it goes, oh, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back and, you know, not try as hard or, um, or they never think of opportunities that could make them half a million a year if they're making 100,000 a year because their thermostat's not set for that. And some of that, I think, comes from when you're young and you hear messages like, you know, Andrew, you heard, uh, you know, if we go, if we cross over and we pay this toll, are we going to be able to pay for groceries next week? Well, that seed may have been planted in your brain where you got to be really cautious or that seed was planted and you're like, screw that. I'm going to make more money than I need. So I never have to live that way. And that could be some of your blueprint. It's awesome you bring that up. I was thinking. Uh, get this whole thermostat thing. I feel maybe a fair amount of it is like how you perceive your own self worth. Like if you stop at fifty thousand, then mentally you believe that you're that's like your limit. Yes. And when I was younger, my mom always told me how smart I was. Right? She would constantly tell me how smart, and I would count the change in the car when we went wherever. And she and I find all this stuff out afterwards, but I was in like gifted and talented programs because she was like she got me in there. Like she made <laughs> sure. And I learned later because my, my dad is he no one works harder. My dad always say like um, it's not because I'm sm- I'm not the smartest man in the room, but I'm the hardest working man. Mm. And so I, I learned later that it wasn't that I was like some brilliant, you know, prodigy. It was just that, you know, I knew that there was nothing I couldn't do. To put the time in, and if yeah. anyone would put the time in, it'd be me. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I want to go back to uh, what your advice would be to the the mother who was giving her child red velvet cake and slushy. What do you think? What would you say if you had a chance to go back and uh, give her advice? What would you What would you say? <laughs> That's a really difficult question. <laughs> uh, what would I say? To that, um, you know, I would I would probably go back, and I don't know that I would give direct advice, but I would ask some questions, hopefully, sure. to get her to come to the conclusion that on her what own. she was doing, yeah, probably wasn't that healthy. Much like I would say to the woman in the grocery store, you know, hey, I've I've been listening, and I hear your daughter's really going going after you on all these products. How does that make you feel? Um, and you know, have you noticed there's one thing you're not saying? Do you think that might be the thing that you could say to her that would actually show her, you know, this is it? And I, I you know, I, I make certain assumptions, obviously, about the state fair situation. Of course, maybe, maybe this girl uh, gets fed vegetables all week long, and this is the one time the she gets to come out and do this. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. But, but probably <laughs> not. Um, but, but I think that we had a honey you know, boo boo situation on our hands. It was a little <laughs> bit of a honey boo boo situation. It was very honey boo boo esque. Yes. yes. Um. I think the advice that I would give parents, though, is, you know, listen, the, it's the same thing my wife tells me. My kids don't want more toys. They, they don't want more toys to play with. They want to play with me. Hmm. You know, when I'm home, they, I'm, the, I'm the one they come to. And my kids have less toys now than they did, certainly, when they were young. You know, all, every birthday, every Christmas, they were getting toys until I finally said, uh, my wife and I both kind of came to this realization. We said, listen, our kids don't need baubles. They don't need toys and, and you know, balls and, and uh, helicopters and all this kind of stuff. They need money for college. Mm. And they'd like a book or a DVD. 
And then they want to spend time with you. So if you want to take them to the circus or you want to take them to the zoo or you want to take them out to eat, they'd love that. But they don't need gifts. They need money for school. They need books and CD, DVDs and CDs. And they want to spend time with you. And my kids are, are literally the, the least materialistic of any kid I've ever known. I mean, they, we go to stores and it's like, oh, that'd be cool, but I don't really need it. You know, my, son, my middle son just says, I don't really need anything for Christmas. Interesting. Uh, my daughter, for her birthday, she requests that people bring donations to the Animal Rescue League Good as Lord. gifts for her. Wow. So, the, I mean, the kids are very, they're just non-materialistic. And, th- and I think that's, that's a product of how we raise them. And do you think that, um, there's two things I, I want to go into. One is, they go to school there with other children. Yep. I'm sure those children have helicopters and balls and oh yeah, and all those things. And they say, "Look at the cool thing I got." And they come home and said, "I want the cool thing that Janie has at school." Like that, yep. I'm sure that's an issue because there's that peer pressure element or that keeping up with the Joneses, even at that age, totally. uh, the mentality. And then the idea of, do you think that toys or buying them gifts is a parent's way to say, "Hey, go play with this and leave me the f alone." <laughs> Um, I think there's definitely something about that. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably on the opposite side of that spectrum. So as an example, I just, uh, I take that back. I didn't buy it. My in-laws gave us a Papa shot, you know, the, the two, the two, uh, basketball hoops side by side where the kids can go and shoot hoops. Okay. So that's, that was in our basement for about a year and, and the, the structure of it kind of collapsed, but the, the back board and everything was still intact. So I cut it in half and I put both backboards on either end of the basement. And now we have a full on basketball court in our basement. The reason I did it, you know, partially yes, to give them a place to go, but partially so I can go down and play with them right in the middle of the day or on the weekends or whatever, if it's crappy outside. And, and so, yes, I think to your point, Matt, I think parents give their kids toys to say, get out of my hair. This is yours. Go, yeah. go you know, play with your Ninja Turtle. Go play. Yeah, exactly. Go see a Star um, Wars. For me, I buy stuff that we can play together. You know, like we got ripsticks and we didn't get three ripsticks. We got four ripsticks so what, I could be on one with them. You know, What is a ripstick? So a ripstick is like a skateboard, but it's kind of split in two. Ah. So you have to balance and it's, it's sort of like you're, you're snowboarding on yeah. concrete. That's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. I need that. <laughs> I need that toy. I'm a, I, you know, I'm a kid at heart. So it's Adam, like, buy me that I, toy right now. I want it. I will. I'll send it to you. <laughs> so you're like, I'll get your ripsticks, but only I could play too. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing I, I do. Like you, you buy, so you, you consciously buy toys that you can play with, with your kids. Oh, hell yes. Okay. Nerf guns, laser tag. Yeah. I'm all over that shit. I, right. Because, because that's all I want to do. Yeah. You know, it's like, if we're going to go play, I'm going to get 10 rubber balls and put them in the basement. Cause we're going to have an unbelievable dodgeball tournament down there, you know, with all the neighbor kids and I want to play. So, yeah. So try playing with a Nerf gun by yourself. That's got to be the lame, the lamest. Yeah. <laughs> lamest it is pretty lame picture. I could, I can, I can muster up. My, my dog and I play every now and again, but he's, you know, he's not very competitive. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what about the Joneses thing? Like the keeping up with the Joneses in school? How does that, how do you combat that? That's got to happen. Um, I imagine. Yeah. Even, even yeah. as, even as perfect as your children are at this stage, yeah. like they, I'm sure no. they still have that, 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 that pressure. Well, my daughter came home the first day of middle school. She just started sixth grade. And, and it was, Dad, can I have a phone? Before she, I, I mean, mm. literally, it wasn't like, 
Hey, how are you? How was your day? It was like, dad, will you get me a phone? And, and I said, okay, time out. Well, back up a little bit. How was your day? Yeah. What happened today on the first day of school? Who's your locker mate? You know? And I said, let's talk about this phone thing. What do you want one for? And she said, everyone has one. Hmm. And I said, okay, I don't totally buy that. Cause I know three kids up the street that don't have one in your grade. Um, and now they do, unfortunately, but, <laughs> but the issue is they sit on the, on the phone, on the bus and they like go through Instagram and you know, sure. stuff like this. And I said, you know, my fear is that you're going to disconnect from everyone and everything when you do that. Cause the kids that are on the bus on their phone, what do they do? And she said, they just sit there on their phone. And I said, what are you doing right now? She goes, oh, I'm talking to Lizzie. And I said, what's Lizzie doing? She's knitting a scarf. <laughs> She's like a real what? renaissance woman. Yeah. So, so I said, you know, you and Lizzie probably have better conversation than any of the other kids who have a phone. I'm not opposed to getting you one. I said, but here's the deal. You're going to buy your own phone. I'm not going to buy you one. I'm paying for your monthly service. So if you want a phone, you're going to have to save your money to buy a phone. And, you know, it's going to be $200 minimum. Mm-hmm. So it's time to start saving because that's what mom and I would do if we wanted to buy something like that. So the Joneses thing is definitely there. But I also think that, you know, income is like the, the most taboo subject ever, right? No one wants to talk about what they make. Right. And in our neighborhood, again, I mentioned we've got surgeons and, you know, the general manager of a country club lives across from me. And so these guys probably make decent money. And they'll, they'll have, some of them will have new cars. And my kids might ask about, they got a new car. When can we get a new car? And, and I'll say, you know, everyone chooses to, to spend their money differently Ours right now happens to be going to pay off our mortgage mm-hmm. and we'll have a paid off home within about a year, a year and a half. Jesus. And when that happens, you know, now the sky's the limit. Do you want to go to Disney? Do you want to go to Hawaii? Should we go to Europe? Um, you know, do you want to have a fully funded college education? Uh, you know, these are the kinds of things or better yet, how about now the, the five of us start a family business and we go buy an apartment building and the boys will mow the lawn and you'll help collect rent and we'll teach you guys business in the real world. Can I be terms. part of your family business? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just, it's different. It's just different than, than my neighbors who say, oh, you're 16, here's a new car. I'm not going to be that way. I'm probably going to do what my parents did and say, here's an amount of money. My, my parents gave me $2,500 and said, go find something you like. And, you know, I'll probably do that with my kids. Maybe a little bit more than that, but, but, so, um, uh, Yeah. So are you loving your kids too much? Um, I, I tell my kids I love you every day, multiple times a day, mm-hmm. without question. Um, I tell them no a good fair amount. Um, and, and when I do, there's always a reason. So you know, even the Dunkin' Donuts thing, I said, no, Piper, I don't think we will because Friday we're going to spend some money on you know, cider donuts and apple cider and we'll get a pumpkin or two and things like that. So we're going to save it for Friday. That does she sound can like a better deal. That. Yeah. She can understand that. Um, so am I loving my kids too much? I don't think so. I think I love them just right. Hopefully they would say the same thing. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, all right. So what's going on with the, with the you know, you have the movie coming out. Uh, yeah. TED Talk, you're going to try to get to do with this, with this subject. Uh, yes. Is there anything else in the pipeline that's going on? Uh, anything you want to promote or pitch? Yeah. So I've got... Um, well, my, my book, Winning the Money Game, yes. is now on Kindle. So that's, that's available on Kindle. 
as well as on hard copy through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got another book that's coming out in January called Scholarship Mastery. That will also be released on Kindle. And it is basically how ordinary students get extraordinary amounts of money for school. That's so, going to be a good one. It will be a good one. Um, and, and I've helped, uh, I don't know how many people, hundreds now, uh, but we've, we've so far measured that we've gotten over $450,000 in scholarships awarded just from people following the advice in the book. So yeah, it's, we're gonna, it's really when's it's that amazing. Come out? It'll come out in January. Yeah, we need to get a hold of that. So we'll do a huge push on it. Okay. And, um, and then secondly, you guys have inspired me. And I'm starting a podcast in December. Really? I can see your fancy mic right yes. there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the podcast is the Build a Bigger Life podcast. So you know, you know that my mantra is build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to teach people how to build a bigger life by interviewing entrepreneurs and uh, you know, critical thinkers who are stepping outside the box and doing it differently. And you guys will definitely be a focus of one of the podcasts. Yay! So... Because you've taken a passion and made it, you know, made it a business and made it a thing. You you do this because you love to do it. Yeah. Um, if people so are I'm, only half as captivated listening to you as we are, I think we'll do very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you. I've had it. I've had so many people ask me like, "How do we get more of you?" And you know, I guess I just wasn't ready to pull the trigger on it. Now, uh, with really great people behind me that that are helping with all of this, um, we're going to launch it in December. It's going to be once a week. And um, I'm going to have some really killer guests, and the format's going to be a little bit of setup, introduction, and then um, uh, and then I'll do the interview, and then a recap at the end of here are the action steps, here's what you can do to take action on this, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, yeah. that's 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 awesome. I mean, I I always like when people start podcasts, and especially if they've if we've influenced them in any way to do so. Um, oh. You guys were the sole inspiration. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, start- you guys. And then I talked to, um, uh, there's a guy named Thomas Frank who has a uh, Oh, we uh, love podcast. Thomas. Do you know Thomas? Well, yeah, yeah, we inter- yeah I, inter- awesome. I introduced him to you. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah. he's so close to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Thomas and I met for coffee one day, and he was like, hey, man, anything I can do to help? And so he's going to help me with some of the back-end tech setup. Oh, and, sweet. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas is so. a, is amazing. We love Thomas very much. Um, I want. I have to ask. You mentioned. Um, well, you have the two. You have the two books. You have the one coming out, and yep. you have uh, winning the money game. But you mentioned another book when we were talking, and uh, I wanted to ask you if you had, and especially, it could be about student loan debt. It could be about uh, this this concept of loving your kids too much. Is there any books or resources that you'd recommend that people can go out there to get further learning on this? Hmm. Even if it's psychology based. Yeah, you know, there, there's one, actually, uh, the one that I started reading, this was years ago, I finished it, and then gave it to my daughter to read, because okay. I thought she would find it interesting, but it's Rich Kid, Smart Kid by Robert Kiyosaki. Ah, the guy, and, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad guy? Yeah. Yep, yep, and, and it's, you know, it's a little heady for a, for a kid, but there's some great advice in there on that. Cool. And, and I, you know, I, one of the things that I've done, I'm, I'm going to do a whole vertical market of money savvy books. Mm-hmm. So I, I own the money savvy graduate, the money savvy student, the money savvy parent, the money savvy newlywed. And I'm going to create sort of, here are the rules to be money savvy in, in each one of these, areas, you know, specific yeah. areas. Hmm. Um, so those will be, when those come out, I think they'll be really good. And I'm going to do a series of, of uh, blog posts about it leading up to it 
So cool. I think I'm going to blog blog a book. There you go. And so, what's and what's the yeah. website that you, that people can find all this stuff at? All the stuff will be at adamspeaks.com. Okay. And then the podcast will probably live at buildabiggerlife.com. All right. And you have uh, and you're on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter is at Adam Carroll, two mm-hmm. R's, two L's. Mm-hmm. And Facebook is facebook.com forward slash the Adam Carroll. Perfect. Well, I, there, we have, are, there are many of us. The, yes, I'm sure. There, there, we want to definitely have you back on in January talking about this uh, this new book coming out because I think that's super important. And uh, I would love it. Yeah. And we, your podcast will be live by then, right? Yeah. The so we can actually link to it. And yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and I will be contacting you guys to try and get you dialed in for – uh, the recording of the interview. So. Yes, we'd be more than happy to come on. Day cool. time. Yeah. So cool. uh, we'll always love having you on, Adam. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure, guys. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Um, super excited for your success. Yes. And let's keep the sponsors coming. If, if there are sponsors listening, please throw money at these guys. Soon you <laughs> won't be able to afford them. Yes. Give me, give me, give me money. <laughs> I like a spoiled kid. Just wants all the cereal in the store. But no, yeah, but thank you so much. I, I do appreciate that. And good luck at the podcast, man. It's, it's fun. You're going to love it. Thank you. I'm yeah. excited. I'm so excited. And if you guys have questions and you want to send it your way to Adam, get in touch with Adam, uh, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. We will pass it along if you don't mind. I'm sure you don't. Uh, uh, yeah. And if you guys like this show and you want to hear more, we do it every single day. Uh, you can subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast app that you listen to it. Uh, I don't even know what. Pod- Dude, I tried. I tried Overcast this uh, past Did you? weekend. It is awesome. Really? Like, like, dude, our show notes have the pictures in it, and it's hmm. styled properly. Like, it is like it's like the Rolls Royce of podcasting apps. Well, I'll wow. have to, yeah, I have to take a look at it. Overcast. It's called Overcast. Like, like it, it's like you know Overcast. the guy who made Instapaper, Marco Armament. Uh huh. Oh, I- Armament, aren't however you say his name. Sure. He he sold that. Because he got bored and he's like, you know, I really like podcasting. I just want to make something that it needs to be. Because before podcasting was like, you download these things and you play them. And he made it all awesome. And you can subscribe. You can subscribe. And it's just really, it, there's it, there's this whole social sharing bit oh. through Twitter and blah, blah, blah. He, he really actually put thought into it. Good. That's kick ass. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. And and out. unfortunately, he didn't pay me any money to uh, you know. No. That was a free. <laughs> right? spon- it's really cool. That was a free yeah. sponsor. This uh, podcast sponsored by yeah Overcast. Overcast. Yeah, excellent. So uh, and if you guys really like the show and you and you subscribe and you, and you want a free copy of Mastering Mint, which is our uh, book about how to use Mint, the free software, you can just leave a review, send us an email, listen moneymatters at gmail and we will give you one. And in fact, I'd like to read a quick review from Vito Libido. Uh, Vito Libido, I talked to on on Twitter uh, from the United States. You've tried the rest. Now tried the best. Five stars. Uh, this is really more of a university than just a podcast. Each podcast is a really is a is really a class on finance. This podcast is for complete clueless idiots, and it's also for experts. The best part is you actually get valuable and tangible advice and tools and websites and an actual blueprint and questions answered. So thank you, Vito Libido. That was awesome. Yes, perfect, perfect. Uh, go to our website, listenmoneymatters.com, and check out our toolbox, which has uh, all the books, including Adam's book, Winning the Money Game, is in our toolbox, which you can find at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And that's it. Adam, thanks again for being on, man. My pleasure, guys. All right, take it easy. Thanks again for hanging out with us. And, of course, we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man.
tell your friends about this show. <laughs>